fasten your seatbelt. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. That's right, you're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. It's 1990. Well, it's not 1990, but it, for us, it's 1990. So It's 1990. It's it, For all intents corpuses it's 1990 um it's i i would say i have my fanny pack on but number one i don't have a fanny pack anymore and number two i don't fit anymore um Mm -hmm. even with the little adjusters and and whatnot i'm a little bigger than i was in 1990 but that's neither here nor there um in stature uh, in stature sure yeah I'll, i'll take that um but uh yeah it's 1990 so we are we're done with the 80s gentlemen where did they go it's they went by so fast. Yeah, dang. Yeah. So I got. Oh, was it? We got the Windows sound. I was. No, I was that just, was, no that's that's the Mac sound. Yeah. That's the I was Mac gonna, sound because I was going to shut it down. And we're trying it again. Oh, I thought you were going to. Very. I thought very, that was like a sound boy. of the nineties. You know? I know. I, I thought you were going to bring. It kind of was. It. It was. I was. I thought you were going to bring in like a dial tone sound or something. <laughs> oh, no, see, that would be good. Kids, the year was nineteen ninety three. And John got the internet for the first time, and then about a month or two later, John got the internet taken away for the first time. <laughs> what did John do? Did you get uh, family podcast? No, well, no, no, no. It's 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 okay on a family podcast. So what John did for those listening, I don't know if we have anybody listening that wouldn't know about the early days of the internet, but um, in the early days of the internet, you had to dial in to the internet, and John happened to be living in a rural area of Missouri. And the closest spot Cuba to dial in, mm-hmm. right? uh, and the closest spot to dial in was about an hour away. Oh. Needless to say, needless to say that this is going. you see this is where the, where this is going here. Needless yes. to say, that involved long distance phone calls. Now, mm-hmm. those of you, now, those kids, of you, those children, that long used to be a thing. Calls, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make the call after nine o'clock. Right. Rates go down. Right. right. When you when you had to pay money for your minutes as opposed to just a like, lump sum for, you know, all of your talk and data and messaging, all the other stuff. Um, yeah. So got the computer, got the Internet, had uh, had CompuServe. So that was that was the foray into the Internet at the beginning there and uh, did not know that every time I was well, I, 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 I'm sure I knew at some point, but I was also probably about 13 or 14 years old. I was in eighth grade. And uh, made uh, made my home down in the basement on the computer, and just practically lived there for about the first month we had the internet there, and uh, got the phone bill at the end of that first month. And uh, thankfully, my dad at the time was working, and he had gotten a job in Chicago. But we were finishing school out in Missouri, and then we were going to come up here to to find a house and move up here. 
So thankfully, I only had one parent. Otherwise, I think I would have been ripped apart. Mm. Uh, at the end of that month, our CompuServe bill, um, because it, you, had to, you had to pay extra for the CompuServe piece of it too. Uh, the CompuServe bill was about 200 and some dollars. Oh, buddy. And, oh, oh, just, oh, just wait for it. The AT&T bill. Anybody want to take a stab at what the AT&T bill might have been? $555. You know, a little, little higher than that, Bob. Oh. $1,000? A little higher than that, Bob. Oh, no. $1,500? Uh, a little lower. I feel like we're playing card sharks now. Okay. I'll it say $1,250. It, it was about $1,200. Holy oh. buckets. And that's one wow. month? That was one month. Yes. Wow. And that, John did not get the internet again for a very long time. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we're not here to dwell on how much money I cost my parents in the mid nineties, but, um, oh, but it's so much we, fun, but it is kind of fun. It is kind of fun, but we are here to, to dwell on and to, to revisit some of our favorite movies. And, um, we are, we're, we're starting off 1990. So it's a brand new year, 2020. Um, it's, it's good to be able to talk with you guys again. Last time I talked to you, it was still 2019. Mm-hmm. Happy New Year, so, Happy New Year, um, and to so the I, audience. And I haven't introduced you all yet. If you're, you know, if you know these voices, you know that there's Bo. Hello. And you know there's Pat. Hey. So got Bo and Pat with me here tonight, and uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna as as hard as we can. We're gonna die hard. We're gonna die so hard. We're gonna die harder. So, so that's what we're doing tonight. Um, very, very quickly before we get on with our other stuff, we spoil the movies that we talk about. We spoil freely here, so just be warned. We're just going to talk freely and not worry about spoilers. May even be another movie we're talking about. If you hear us talking about a movie and you don't want to hear anything about it, maybe jump ahead, you know, 30 seconds or so. Uh, iTunes, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That's the only thing that's available on iTunes. Um, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't do anything other than five stars anymore. So just please, please leave one of those. Really? Uh, no, that's a total lie. I know. I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was um, biting. I, well, I, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to guide the people into the right direction. And uh, visit our website. People need for, guidance. People do need guidance. And I feel like, what, what good are we if we don't help guide the people in the right direction? Mm-hmm. How so, about it? Uh, 30podcast.com. Go visit our website. That's got all the other ways that you can interact with the show. Um, but maybe don't visit it just yet because I haven't switched all the images to the new logos. So um, if you do visit it, take off your glasses and squint. Mm-hmm. No. All right. Well, um, in lieu of news tonight, because I didn't really see a whole lot of movie news going on out there, um, I did find there was an article in the in the Chicago Tribune newspaper, and I did find the um, Fandango movie survey for 2020. And this was Fandango's survey of the most anticipated movies of this year coming up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to read these out. These are in order um, from from the survey. And mm-hmm. then uh, you know you can comment on any of these as you want to. But then I want to ask you, gentlemen, what is your most anticipated movie for 2020. <laughs> right, Pat, anybody who's listened to this show for like five <laughs> minutes already knows <laughs> what yours is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll bring it in. I'll bring it in. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, so the Fandango survey results. The most anticipated movie of 2020 is Wonder Woman 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black, Black Widow, following right behind that. Mm, yeah, that'll be good. Marvel's Eternals. Mm-hmm. The live action Mulan. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Time to Die, the James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. A Quiet, a Quiet Place 2, Part 2, mm. and Birds of Prey. Mm. So those are their most anticipated movies of 2020. Nary, a, for the first time in a long time, nary a Star Wars movie in sight. Um, 
really uh, let's see a couple of marvel movies. actually you know what a couple of marvel a couple of dc so we're pretty we're pretty even there um but either of those now i know yours was not listed there pat but so let's start with Bo because i know your answer uh pat so Bo, mm-hmm. of, of those or one that's not listed what are you most looking forward to this year um i think wonder woman and black widow on that list um i'm really bad with keeping up on what's coming out sometimes i find out and i go oh that's cool and Mm-hmm. My brother looks at me and says, okay, so we've known about that for four years. Where have you been? <laughs> so I'm a bad, bad uh, judge of this, but I will say, and it's not necessarily TV related, but I was reading some more about the Kenobi series today. Oh, yes. Um, so that has me excited. Mm-hmm. Not that that's, you know. I, I don't really need exactly. anything else. I don't need anything else for that one to get me excited. I, I was looking forward to a movie, and now that I know there's a TV series, I'm even happier. And I feel like it's been, um, now that we've seen what a series can be, yeah. I think it's, um, it's really, really, uh, it's real now. Like I, I think the thought of a Star Wars series until this past couple of months was sort of a, well, what, what could it be? Will it be any good? I think now, I think sky's the limit, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's super exciting. <laughs> Agreed. Um, for me, you know what? Actually, for me, some of the ones that I was thinking about were not even on that list. Um, some of the ones that I, I think I'm probably looking forward to, maybe even more so than what's in that list. Um, I, Top Gun Maverick is there. I know that's, you know, that's going to be yours, Pat. But um, some of the ones that were not on that list that I'm looking forward to, just because I think they could be a lot of fun, would be Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bill and Ted face the music. Mm. So mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, with Ghostbusters, I am very cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. Just because, and I know it had nothing to do with it, but I feel like they have already tried something, and it didn't go that well. Mm-hmm. I have tried to watch that twice and fallen asleep both times. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So hopefully, I am optimistic but I am cautiously so. Yeah. So we got that. Um, of that list, I think if, it, if I had to pick one from that list, I would pick A Quiet Place Part 2. I had not seen A Quiet Place up until I, I took a trip on a plane um, a, you know, about a month ago, and um, that was one of the movies that was available on the plane. So I was able to watch that one, and I really, really liked it. It was a lot of fun. Nice. So now I'm, now I'm curious to see what Part 2 will be. I have not seen it yet, but I think I've seen it... Um, kicking around on cable okay so i think i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to watch that yeah donna is not a fan so okay i'm gonna be watching it solo okay but i'm in i mean i'm a big john krasinski fan so yeah yeah all right pat go for it uh well you know what anybody that's been in a show knows uh, top gun maverick is like the list for me um I, I just, I, I suppose it could always fail epically, but I mean, if, if they just, like it said in the one special, did you guys catch, you guys I'm sure have seen both the trailers. Um, yes. But then there was also, there's that five minute featurette about how they filmed it. Did you guys catch any of that? I no. have not seen that. That's almost better than the trailers um, because it shows kind of, 
a little bit, it's really well done. It's kind of behind the scenes of how they film the movie. And they're like, you know, it's got like the producer and the director and everything being interviewed, um, which the producer is Jerry Bruckheimer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it interviews um, um, Tom Cruise and then some of the other actors. And they just say that, you know, they did this never before used where they got these guys hooked up in the cockpit and they have like seven cameras on them in the cockpit to catch them from every angle. And they, I guess, you know, they put these guys in these jets and they, um, these guys and these gals in these jets and there's, there's these scenes where it shows them. And like Tom Cruise is saying like, so when you see their face like distorting and their eyes squinting and everything, he says, yeah, that's, they're really getting pulled. I mean, they were pulling like eight or nine G's with us. And uh, then they show it. And there's these scenes where like, I think they've got him going through a loop or something. And he, you know, Tom Cruise is like trying to like, not, you know, pass out. And he's like, he's, he's grunting, like trying to stay from passing out. And it's, it's really cool. And then it shows some of these actors and actresses in these planes. And they're just like, they got the, Oh my God, what hit us kind of thing. And, uh, it's, like I said, it's, it's pretty awesome. So even, I I mean, whatever happens with the movie, one of the things that, uh, I think Jerry Bruckheimer said was this movie is going to be a sequel and it's going to be about this and that. And they said, it's going to be a love letter to aviation. And so I just, for me, it's like, how can you go wrong? And I know that's a loaded statement. You can definitely go wrong, but I am just so excited to, to see this. I, um, that, yeah, I am, I am very excited for Top Gun Maverick. So I'll just leave it at that. And, um, as far as the other stuff on the list, you know, all those movies sound really cool. I never saw Quiet Place, but okay, maybe I'll check it out if they got the sequel coming out. Um, I've heard it's fantastic. I, yeah, uh, it, Wonder- it's, it's it's good. Like I, there's, it's not because it is kind of a horror movie. Okay, but um, it's not necessarily a scary horror movie. Okay, but it was one of those that the entire time you are just, I I I I think my entire body was just tense the whole time I was watching it. Wow. Like wow. it's one of the, it's one of those and there's kids involved. So I don't know, Pat, how you, how you're going to feel about that. But, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, the whole time I was watching, I was like, you know what? I am completely hooked. Like this is, it's, it's a concept that, you know, there's a, another movie that I feel like is similar to it. I think it was a movie called hush, um, in which there's a woman who is deaf and she's in a cabin in the woods and she's locked inside this. Well, she's locked all, all the doors and so she's in this house and this um masked serial killer um mm-hmm. comes to the house and is trying to get in and kill her but the interesting thing about that movie is she's deaf so there's certain things that she can't you know how a lot of horror movies there's sound involved and there's some mm-hmm. pretty pivotal scenes in that movie where there is no sound so it's it's almost very tense because you don't know what's coming mm-hmm um, I know a lot of times if we're watching a, something scary or a horror movie, um, Sharon will sometimes ask me to actually turn the volume down or turn it off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause sometimes those things will cause it to be scarier. I think with these two movies in particular, cause a quiet place deals with the idea of sound too, or lack of sound. Um, and it's a, it's very similar. Like it's, it's maybe not scary, but you feel you're nervous. Like you feel tense almost the entire time. Okay. Yeah. But it's good. It was really good. Cool. Um, but yeah, so those, I mean, Wonder Woman 84 looks fantastic. Um, Bond, I got to be honest, if, if Top Gun Maverick wasn't on the radar, I mean, it would be very easy just to say, 
you know, bond. Yeah. And uh, right. leave it at that. But um, um, I'm trying to think. Then that even the stuff that wasn't on the list, John, that you mentioned, like, oh, yeah, Bill and Ted 3. Okay, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters 3. Like, dang. There's just so much uh, exciting, uh, exciting stuff coming out this year. It, um, I, caught- the, one, the one I'm disappointed in is apparently Masters of the Universe got moved back to 2021. Well, I, I've got to be honest with you, John. There's so many things coming out in 2021. Like, I'm almost done with 2020. At this point, it's just like, I, I can't be excited about 2020 anymore because we're here and there's just so much awesome. Like, I'm starting to get excited about the stuff they're talking about for 2021. All right, Pat, I just, now that we've started this podcast, I just can't wait to talk about the Matrix. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, John Wick 4, Matrix 4 coming out on the same day. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see that? I heard no. about that. It's, it's, it's going it, to, they're both coming out on the same day. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's what, what am I going to do? It's a glitch in the Matrix. I, I was going to say, that's a, that's crazy town. And, and they're sort of like, you know, you know they're, they're like, at first blush, this might be a mistake because you'd think these movies would compete with each other. But there's already talk of like movie theaters, like, it, it, you know, they're calling it National Keanu Reeves Day. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, they'll, just, they'll, they'll do a double feature. They'll sell tickets to oh, both. Dang. Oh, yeah. And, I mean. And, and Pat's going to be, whatever day that comes out, Pat's going to, you know, drop a couple of no-dos and he's going to be in the theater. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I will binge. I will binge all of those, like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we've got that and uh, Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes three is coming out in 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest. I dig those movies. I mean, those are great films. Oh, so I'm sorry. I'm Pat's kind of going scattershot tonight That's and fine. it might be, it might be because I've been watching the renegade on Tubi TV um, and I'm feeling a little crazy, but yeah, I'm, I'm like maxed out on 2020, like 2020, I'm already there. Like the, like I'm, I'm having to get excited about 2021 just to, you know, just to relieve a little bit of the pressure. Mm-hmm. I'm just, dang. Hey, that's fine. Wow. wow. Great movies. Great movies are coming out. Good stuff coming. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're going to uh, change. We're going to change a few things up this year. We've got a few things that are a little yeah. bit different. We, um, I, I did tell the guys before we started recording that, uh, like King Arthur, I can't count. So we've switched from five questions to three questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to kind of move things along a little bit. But then also, you know, it was sometimes it was a little tough to come up with five questions every single time. Um, so we're going to do three questions towards the end there. But um, so I think I got to fix the whole uh, audio intro to the five questions too, because I think King Arthur says five questions. So I'll just, I'll get one of the other clips where he mistakenly says five and someone corrects him to three. Three, um, three questions. Three questions, sir. Um, and then I'm switching things up too, because it, it was also a little bit, uh, was a little bit of extra work to go find stuff for the This Week in 89 that we would do every single time. Right. So I think the first episode of each month, I'm just going to do this month in 90 and I'm just going to pull stuff from whatever month we're in. And we'll just do that during the first episode of each month. So, and we can, we can come back to it and talk about stuff over the course of the month, but we'll, we'll throw it all in here at the beginning. So I've got uh, this month in 90. So we're talking about January, 1990. And I've got a couple of uh, more than a couple. I've got some categories here. We got the top news, births, deaths, top sports, top books, top movies, and top songs. So top news events uh, this month in 1990, and I, I just picked a handful of them. Uh, January 1st, uh, PSI Net and EU Net began selling internet access to commercial customers. Ah, uh, the downfall of Western civilization. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, January 3rd, the U.S. invasion of Panama. Mm-hmm. 
January 13th, Douglas Wilder becomes the first elected African-American governor of Virginia. Uh, and then January 31st, the first McDonald's opens in Moscow, Russia. Also, really? also the beginning of the fall of Western civilization. <laughs> yeah. Uh, births for this month. Uh, two actors uh, born within a day of each other. Uh, Liam Hemsworth, the, I guess, lesser known Hemsworth, if you want to call him that. Mm -hmm. uh, was born on January 13th and Grant Gustin uh, who plays the Flash on the TV show was born on January 14th of 1990 mm. and that makes me feel old I was going to ask as it should as, as, as it, it should, should. Uh, deaths for this month this will make you feel young uh, deaths for this month were Barbara Stanwyck who died on January 20th uh, and then Ava Gardner died on January 25th they were both actresses um, probably a little bit more famous in the um probably like 40s 50s 60s kind of that time so not ones that we might be as familiar with but uh if you are a an older movie buff then you know those names uh top sports in this one now i i, I used to really like this guy and now i have a hard time with him a little bit but we share the first name same first name so uh my top sports was that john McEnroe becomes the first player to be expelled from the australian open <laughs> January 21st. As a kid, I used to think he was hilarious to watch. There's a great interview with him. Um, I don't know if you, either of you ever watched uh, David Faherty's interview show. Mm -mm. Great interview with McEnroe. Okay. Worth watching. Okay. I'll have to go track it down. Hmm. Uh, top books this time around The Dark Half by Stephen King and Daddy by Danielle Steele. Uh, top movies uh, for the weeks of for the weekends of January 7th through the 21st. It was born on the 4th of July. And then for the weekend of January 28th, it was Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, top songs. The two top songs from January of 1990 were Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins and How Am I Supposed to Live Without You by Michael Bolton. Hmm. Hmm. And I will sing neither of them. Thank you. We You're appreciate welcome. that. You're welcome. Wow, your name is actually Michael Bolt. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Why should I change my... Oh, my gosh. That movie's got to be coming up in a few years. That's, that's coming up in not too long. All right. Are we ready to die harder? Yes. We are ready to die harder. All right. Yes. Let's do this. The movie this time around is Die Hard 2, or sometimes has the subtitle Die Harder. Release date was 3rd of July, 1990, rated R. Another movie that's... So if you want to argue about Christmas movies, I think this one is much more of a Christmas movie than the first one. Agreed. I mm -hmm. mean, still, I, I think the first one. But they're both Christmas movies. They're both Christmas movies. That's totally fine. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the important thing. To be, to be more of a Christmas movie than another Christmas movie, it still has to be Christmas movie in the first place. Correct. This is true. Correct. I think I interrupted you, John. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to apologize to Jeff because I know he probably disagrees, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Jeff is Jeff is listening right now, and then just like, like throwing like, things at his. <laughs> I was going to say like like the glass that he was drinking out of just shattered in his hand. Yeah, yeah. He just yeah yeah just squeezed it a little bit too hard. Uh, it was rated R, a runtime of two hours and four minutes. Directed by Rennie Harlan, who also did Nightmare on Elm Street Four, The Dream Master, and Cliffhanger. Producers on this one were Charles Gordon, Lawrence Gordon, and Joel Silver. Um, Charles Gordon, actually, the two of them worked pretty closely together. So between the two of them, they did such movies as Die Hard, Field of Dreams, Predator, and Watchmen. Uh, Silver also produced Roadhouse and Lethal Weapon. 
Writers for this one, Walter Wager, did the novel that this was based off of, which I believe was called 58 Minutes, if I remember that right. Uh, The writer died in 2004. Um, He was also known for uh, movies that were based off of other stories or novels of his. One was called Telephone, and another one was called Twilight's Last Gleaming. Uh, Two other writers that did the screenplay for this were Stephen E. D'Souza and Doug Richardson. D'Souza did Commando and Die Hard. Richardson did Bad Boys and Money Train. Cinematography was done by Oliver Wood, who did Rudy and Face Off. Music was done by Michael Common, who uh, who died in 2003 and did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, X-Men, and Lethal Weapon. The budget on this one was $70 million. The box office was $240 million. So it done okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics give it a 68%. Rotten Tomatoes audience gives it a 70%. IMDb gives it a 72. Letterbox gives it a 66. And Cinema Score gives it an A. Starring Bruce Willis as John McClane, who was also in Pulp Fiction, Moonlighting, and The Sixth Sense. Bonnie Bedelia was Holly McClane, uh, or Gennaro if, from the first movie. Um, Die Hard movies, Presumed Innocent, and The Boy Who Could Fly. William Atherton was Dick Thornburg. He was in Ghostbusters and Real Genius. Reginald Vell Johnson was in this for like a grand two minutes. Uh, he was Al Powell. But they were such a wonderful two minutes. It was a wonderful, it was a great two minutes. Uh, Ghostbusters and Family Matters. Franco Nero was Esperanza. He was in Camelot and Django Unchained. William Sadler and all of William Sadler was in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played Colonel mm-hmm. Stewart. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he was in The Shawshank Redemption and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. John Amos was Grant. He was in Coming to America and the TV show Good Times. Dennis Franz was Carmine Lorenzo. He was in NYPD Blue and City of Angels. Art Evans played Barnes. He was in Fright Night and Ruthless People. Fred Dalton Thompson, who died in 2015, was Trudeau. He was in The Hunt for Red October, No Way Out, and Law and Order. Tom Bauer was Marvin. He was in River's Edge and White Man's Burden. And Sheila McCarthy was Samantha Coleman. She was in The Day After Tomorrow, and I've Heard the Mermaids Singing. Here is the trailer, and we'll be back in just a second. Emergencies. We are in a code yellow. Instrument landing system is down. Backup systems won't come up. Every system's dead. These guys shut us down. Attention all controllers. We have a code red alert. We just bought maybe two hours. After that, those planes low on fuel aren't going to be circled. They're going to be dropping on the White House lawn. I want every officer recalled and assembled in body armor with full weaponry in the motor pool in five minutes. It's time to kick it. Alan's what team's gone. Well, maybe they're just a little bit more creative than you think. Start looking for a new miracle. Who the hell is this? We don't need a loose cannon on this deck. You get the hell out of my office before I throw you out of my damn airport. You're the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Story of my life. They say lightning doesn't strike twice. I spent Christmas last year. They were wrong. McLean, is this what you were expecting? Nah, this is just the beginning. Bruce Willis, Die Hard 2. Die Harder. All right, so our questions that we've been using for a while are adapted from the book Focus, The Art and Soul of Cinema by Tony Watkins. Um, and so we, we've just kind of continued to use these questions as a way to kind of help us along our in our discussion to guide things just a little bit. So um, 
I, I'm not even going to ask, was this the first time you'd seen this movie? So that that'll just however you saw this movie first, I'm sure that'll come out in conversation. But um, just general thoughts right out in the beginning here. How does this movie make you feel? I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, good. It's a fun action movie. Yeah. And well executed, too. Agreed. Mm-hmm. How does this movie make you feel compared with the first Die Hard? So I'm about to commit a horrible sin right now, and, and you may kick me off the podcast for doing it. Oh, no. It's, it's hey, controversy. Like, Go for it. I like this one more than the original. Okay. I always have. D- defend yourself. <laughs> right. I always have. I will say that I think it has a little something to do with the fact that this was the first one I saw. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy this one more. Like I get giddy when I'm clicking around. I have nothing to watch and this shows up. There is no debating. There is no discussion. There is click remote goes down and fix myself a cocktail. And here we go. Like I can watch this movie from any point. I, I this is, this is my diehard. Nice. Hey, I'm fine yeah. with that. I'm fine. So, I, you know, that's where I'm at. Hey, that's that's <laughs> fine with me. There there were actually moments when I was watching this movie and I was like, do I like this more than the first one? <laughs> it's you know what it is. It, unfortunately, what one of the things I like about it is one of the things a lot of people don't like about it is they went for the cheap joke here, and mm-hmm. I don't mind it. Like, mm-hmm. they did it right, and they did it well. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of movies that go for the cheap laugh and fail. But, I mean, how many times can he make a joke about the fact that this happened to him already? Mm-hmm. But it's still funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how could the same stuff happen same to the same, happened guy, to same twice? guy twice? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> another Christmas, another mm-hmm. ventilation duct. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. all I asked, well, wow, how does, what's the line? Um. Oh, I had it here, and now I can't find it. Oh, is it too much to ask for a? Oh, I'll look it up and get back to you because it's yeah. a great, it's a great freaking line, and you know the one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, little fireplace, <laughs> creamery sauce. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just wants a simple Christmas, the poor man. And I actually wonder, and I, I, I get why they did it because it might have been too much. But I wonder if one of the biggest mistakes they made was not carrying through the Christmas through line past this one. Yeah. It might have been too much, but I just wonder if if that's just a whole thing. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like I said before, I this one there were moments where I was like, do, do I like this better than the first one? And I've, I've come down on the side of no. I do like the first one better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think part of that is part of the novelty of the first one, but also I, I think mainly just straight up the villain. Hans Gruber is badass. There's no yeah. doubt. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, this one definitely, this one just, I, I almost don't want to compare the two of them because I almost just want to say, you know what? I, I don't care about what's better. It's just, this is part of a series and they're both awesome. Like they're both awesome in their own unique ways i the one part i remember at the very beginning of the movie after we see um the colonel and his steward um that mm. they are all walking out of the hotel rooms together 
mm-hmm. you know, as they're walking through the hall and then suddenly more hotel doors, more doors to the hotel rooms open and everyone's just filing out and they're all wearing like leather jackets and holding the box of roses or whatever it is they've got. I'm just like, this is so ridiculous. Badass. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> so ridiculous, but it's funny and it's just fun. Like it's, mm-hmm. this is so dumb that I'm having fun watching this. Um, and I mean, you can kind of tell that they're not taking themselves too seriously in this movie and they're right. just, and they're just having fun. And that's what comes across. I mean, you, you have these people that are caricatures of, you know, an actual, the old lady on the plane where she's got the taser and she tells a story about how she tased her dog. That's terrible and awesome all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I know. It's kind of like what this movie makes me feel the the little bit of campiness that's in it and the little bit of goofiness that's in it, it almost, but then the, all the action and everything else, it makes me feel like, remember when we used to talk about all of the, um, uh, like the Canon films with Golan and Globus, the two producers that would make all the Canon films like Cobra and masters of the universe and mm-hmm. um, Delta force and all those, this movie to me feels like a movie that those guys would have made if they had got it right. Mm. Okay. Like if, if they had tried one of the, like a Cobra or a Delta Force, or and had and and if they had balanced everything just right, so that people couldn't say, "Wow, that was fun action, but it was a bad movie." I kind of feel like this one might have been if they had been able to balance things out. This is the kind of movie they would have made. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's fun stuff. I agree. It is fun. And it's like, I, I, I was often in this one, almost found myself thinking of like the movie Commando, where it was just the humor worked. And mm-hmm. the fights, I mean, there was plenty of campy kind of action stuff, but it was, it was fun to watch. And they've really struck a nice balance between, you know, funny characters, funny lines, but, but it was done right. It was done well. I mean, you know, the humor, it was done well. It wasn't like, oh, boy, that fell flat. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, it, the humor was good. Like, I mean, the, um, the uh, you know, Andy Sipowitz, whoever he was, and then there was the other cop that had given him the, the parking ticket. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the scene where he gets in, he's like, hey, I'd like you to meet my brother. How mm-hmm. you doing? I'm, oh, <laughs> you my. Yeah, I mean, that just, that was, it was well done. And uh, I, I just... Um, you know, I get what you're saying about where if Canon Canon Films had done something right, but like, I, if I remember right, you mentioned that a lot of the Canon Films, it was like they almost they made it up as they went, right? Yeah. It was yeah. sort of like, okay, we have a movie poster, and then we're going to figure out the movie kind of while we go. Right. This, this seemed to be really well thought out, mm-hmm. planned out, blocked out it was it was we know who the villain is we know how we're gonna do it the little twists in there um i mean everything flowed nicely i mean there was a nice plot in there as far as action movies go and i mean you really were just taken from one action sequence to another um and i mean my gosh there was a snowmobile fight or Mm -hmm. a snowmobile chase like (laughs) what what else what else do you want and i I, yeah i remember the same kind of things too like i remember people talking about yeah die hard too it really went downhill and blah 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 not really (laughs) no and and i'm and like now i'm beginning to think like do i remember that right did people pan did anybody pan this movie Mm -hmm. i mean that or am i just thinking wrong because 
it's kind of like when uh, when uh, uh, Maximus is sitting there in the in the the arena and he throws the sword up at the guy sitting in the in the in the bleachers there and he knocks the table of wine over and he goes, "Are you not entertained?" That's kind of what I felt like with this movie. You know, it's like if you don't like mm-hmm. it, like, are you not entertained by mm-hmm. this? I mean, you know, I mean, because if not, then like you got to go check out the Bridges of Madison County. This is not your genre. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, nothing against the Bridges of Madison County. I'm just saying that that's an example of a different genre. And maybe this movie just isn't your genre if you don't like, if you don't like it. I mean, because it's, well, it's pretty, it's pretty great. Well, unlike Matrix 4 and John Wick 4, they're not going to have a double feature of Die Hard 2 and the Bridges of Madison County playing anytime soon. No, no, no probably not. And that's okay. No, that's, that's fine though. Well, I mean, one of the things about this movie is you are in the action within the first like five minutes. Oh, yeah. Like you're already, I mean, within, I think I wrote something down with it within the first like eight minutes of the movie, you've already had, you know, Bruce Willis doing his stuff as John McClane, um, you know, arguing with the cop and trying to get the stuff squared away with the car and calling his wife on the plane and making the comments about, Hey, it's the nineties. Now we got technology and, you know, air phones and all kinds of stuff. Um, but within the first eight minutes of the movie, you've got Colonel Stewart doing his naked Tai Chi. And then all of a sudden he's killing an old guy in a church. Mm-hmm. So, or not him, but some of his henchmen are, are killing an old guy in a church. And that's, that's you like, you don't know first, how right you are. Right. And that's like the first eight minutes of the movie. So it's, I mean, you get started pretty quickly in this one. Um, and I think they kind of, they must've kind of figured that a little bit because, you know, it, it does take, it takes, I don't remember how long it takes, but I think it takes a little bit to get going in the first diehard just because you got to establish well, he's on the plane you've got to establish right. the fact that there's a little tension in that marriage mm-hmm. there's some work you got to do ahead of time and you right. don't have to do that here no this one is just boom you're you're going right ahead you're right in the thick of things and and everything's getting set up pretty quickly you know the whole thing with the um what was his name esperanza the the guy that they're bringing in mm-hmm. on the plane and the fact that there's a lot going on in this airport all at once on top of it being the holidays um you know. And I love that they, not that they try to hide the Esperanza thing, but they don't, it's not, the way it's told is through a news broadcast. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it's the background. Yeah. It's almost like it has nothing to do with the movie until it does. Right. Now we've well, seen it how many times, so we know. Right. But I, I sort of caught that. I was like, you know, if you didn't know what you were watching. Mm-hmm. Would you have caught immediately that the whole Esperanza thing was important until it, obvi- I mean, at some point it's obvious. Don't get me wrong. Right. But the first few minutes, all it is is on the TV. It's not part mm-hmm. of the movie. That's the other cool part. Until they jump to that plane and show him talking to the kid, then you know, once you see him on the plane, like, you know, okay, this is a thing now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but before that, it could just be random background noise. Right. So they feed you a little bit at a time, you know, and they show you Colonel Stewart, but they don't give you anything about him. And you, you, you pick up who he is through the reporter. Mm-hmm. But then you don't really know what that means to you until Bruce Willis says, that's the kind of guy can by Congress. And then you sort of realize he's kind of a stand in for Oliver North at this point, And then you just sort of go on from there. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the things I was, I should have asked this as one of our three questions, like uh, that scene early on in the movie where they're in the baggage um, conveyors section, they're having the shootout with all the conveyor belts and everything. I should have asked one of my three questions as what's the best uh, movie shootout scene. 
Because that's kind of a fun, that's kind of a fun one with all the conveyor that belts. One, and... If you're ever gonna ask that, we need like a week. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, Butch do you do Cassidy the, and the Sundance Kid? Do you do, right, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid? Do you do the uh, the not the trench, but the uh, chasm in Star Wars? Do the you know? Do you, you do all... the blazing saddles? Right. <laughs> um. Oh dear. Yeah, I mean, you know, that question, you could go everything from the heist in Heat to, yeah. I mean, the the end of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, it's... it's uh, Okay, so so 300th episode. 300th episode. Uh, is best, best movie shootouts. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but this conveyor belt scene is just a whole lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. The golf club and the... Well, and it, what was what was funny is in the midst of that entire scene, I remember the first time watching this, I was probably in middle school or high school. And the first thing I kept thinking was, oh, this is a really cool scene. That's what it looks like behind those conveyor belts. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that's how this stuff works. All right. That's cool. And you start to wonder, like, isn't there anyone back there? And then you're like, no, there's right. probably not. Yeah, probably not. Like, they pull a truck up, it loads on the right conveyor, and that's mm-hmm. all automated. Like, no one would see any of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did find myself at one point going, gosh, if one person walks in while all this is happening, this is a totally mm-hmm. different movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and then, of course, you have the obligatory get your head crush underneath of whatever that thing is. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, and it was crushed and then there was an electrocution. Right. I mean, it was like, you know, it, it was like the, 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 the typical action movie, everything has to explode. Right. You know, but, uh, Oh, I think this set a standard for everything must explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, I <laughs> don't get me wrong. I am not complaining. And, and I have to be honest with you. I, I, as a sequel, I thought this one did really, really well as a sequel. I mean, mm-hmm. if, this was, if this was a standalone movie, and I think this kind of is similar to the point you guys were raising with if, if you like this one better than the original. I mean, it was, it, it, if all you had was this movie, I think Die Hard would be a, still a wildly popular, uh, well, not a franchise, if I'm saying only if you only had this movie. But I think this movie could have been like standalone. Oh, sure. Number one. And number two, I, I have to be honest with you, and, and especially in watching it this time as a sequel, I think this functioned ever bit as good as like Lethal Weapon 2 compared to Lethal Weapon. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I really, and it, and it was like, you know, like some people say that, oh, you kind of fall in the, in the, in the sequel hole. I thought this one did a really nice job of balancing the why is this always happening to me and doing the, the, the fun callbacks, but then also introducing new characters and introducing new bad guys. You know, like you had, um, he calls uh, Sergeant Powell for help with the fingerprints. You know, he has a couple minutes of screen time, but, you know, so you kind of get the familiar faces, but then he's off screen and you're into the new like buddies that are helping him out, mm-hmm. you know, but there's even a wrinkle on that where he doesn't quite have the friend that's on the inside. You know, it's, it's more like the guys that he's dealing with are all kind of bumbling around, you know, I mean, it's, they, they change all the right stuff to make it. Okay. We're, we're advancing the character, 
but they don't change so much to make you think, okay, is this the same franchise? Like what the heck's happening? Mm -hmm. I, I really, I think they, I think as a sequel, this movie functions very, very well. In addition to this could stand alone and be fine, you know? Yeah. The other, the other fun thing about this movie is there's so many of the henchmen that if you if you blink, you you might not notice that they actually end up being fairly famous in their own right. Yeah, I know. Like, like half of them, you're like, huh? Yeah. Where's that guy? Like there's and, Rob, oh, and Robert, that guy, Robert that Patrick, guy? Robert Patrick, the T1000. Yep, mm-hmm. he's in there. Uh, John Leguizamo is one of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I think they because when he gets on the walkie-talkie, you don't ever. I don't think you ever see him speak without talking through a walkie-talkie um you only see him speak off screen and apparently they dubbed his voice with someone different i don't know why but when he comes on the walkie-talkie that's not john at least i don't think it is it doesn't sound like john leguizamo's voice um but yeah i mean several of these henchmen you 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 know look at him and go oh that's that guy Yeah, yeah totally it's crazy So we've already kind of talked quite a bit about what works with this movie, what's memorable about this movie. Is there anything about this movie that does not work for you? So we've said we really like this. It's a lot of fun. Is there anything about this movie that you watched it? And let's say specifically this time, because maybe you watched it knowing you were watching it for a podcast and that you were going to have to talk about Mm -hmm. it. Is there anything that as you watched it this time, you're like, I didn't notice that before and I'm not sure I care for it. Hmm. Nothing that I didn't care for, but there's definitely some, um, and I don't want to call it realism issues because it's an action movie. I'm not expecting realism. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, (laughs) the, the, The whole, the stuff with him on the plane and like, and the restraining order and them being able to tap into the tower frequency with their little, their little news guy, wireless microphone thing. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like some of that stuff. You're just like, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, the, the whole concept of them being able to tap into the tower, it seemed like that might be a little far fetched to the way they did it. Well, but it's the nineties. They have they have technology but, now. But little things, you know, nothing. Yeah. Nothing that I'm. Nothing that I'm like. Oh, I can't ever see it again because now all I see is this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about that with this yeah. movie. Because all in all, I think they did a pretty pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. I, if I had to pick something, I mean, I think I would say, I think I would say the the piece with um with his character with uh, Dick Thornburg. Um, on the on the plane, that might be the weakest part for me. Like I could look at that part and think, you know what, uh, you don't really need that, right? Like on occasion, show Holly on the airplane just so you know that the threat is still there, that he's still you know got to save her, and he's he's got to do something before the plane runs out of fuel. Um, you know, because this time around, it's not so much that you know his wife is still in danger, but it's not so much that he has to hide the fact that they're that that's his wife from the villains. Because they're mm-hmm. not they're not really targeting her. They're targeting all these airplanes, and she just happens to be on one. Um, 
I guess in the original novel that this was based off of, because they, they just took the novel and they switched it up to make it die hard. Um, right. It, it was called 58 minutes. And the idea was the main character, his daughter was on a plane and he had 58 minutes to save her before I forget. It was either shot down or it ran out of fuel or, or whatever. But um, that was the kind of the premise behind that novel. And they took that story and decided to adapt it for a diehard movie. Okay. Um, so, I mean, to me, those scenes of her up in the plane, maybe just show them on occasion to, to, you know, remind us of what the stakes are. To enforce are. that she's there. Yeah. Right. But I don't know that it, I mean, some of those scenes were kind of funny, but I could have maybe done without, that might've been the only thing about this movie that for me could have even made it a step better is it was maybe a little long. And in, okay. watch, in watching the movie, I wasn't sitting there going, wow, this is a long movie. But when I do look at the runtime, I'm like, ah, it's two hours and four minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, does a diehard movie really need to be over two hours long? Mm. You know, they could have, to me, I, and, and again, no fault with it. I, I'm going to sit there and watch it no matter how long it is. But um, if I had to pick something just to say, you know, this is, this is what I might have wished they had done differently is maybe, you know, maybe have it move a little bit faster in some parts. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I mean, it moved at a good click and there was not a whole lot of extra stuff there um no but, they 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 know when to cut away and show you something mm-hmm. else they it just comes together very well yeah. E- and yeah. even on a rewatch how many years later like mm-hmm. when we when we're when the next movie that came up for me was you know i'm in my marvel rewatch and i was watching captain america you know let's be honest there's not much flashier than a marvel movie in 2019 mm-hmm. Right. So as I'm watching this and comparing the two, I'm like, wow, it still holds up. Yeah. yeah. Right on. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was just curious. So I went to go look real quick. And actually, of the first three Die Hard movies, uh, this one is the shortest. Uh, I could believe that of number three, because I will say as much as I enjoy Jeremy Irons, and I do, three drags in places. Okay. Because and not by much. Die Hard of the Vengeance is two hours and eight minutes. Okay. Uh, this this one was two hours and four minutes, and then the first one was two hours and twelve minutes. Wow! Now is that? I wonder if that's the full release is two twelve. Because remember, mm-hmm. the first one famously had um, some scenes cut and shortened for the theatrical release because they thought it was too long. Right, and if you watch the DVD, you can watch it one of two ways. I'm sure on the Blu-ray too. I don't know that I've ever watched it on the Blu-ray, but mm-hmm. um, on the DVD, you could watch it both ways, and then you could go in and they you, they had a fun feature where you could just see the scenes that were cut. Oh, <laughs> oh, nice! And it was there was a you know it, there's some stuff at the vault. There's some mm-hmm. some line work back and forth with Bruce Willis and. Um, uh, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm dropping his name right now. Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing that you know changed the movie, but some of the stuff at the vault was really fun that got cut from that theatrical release. But the reason was, at the time, it was thought to be straight up too long. Yeah. That was before the you know three-hour Irishman. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> So this, this question is kind of, this isn't in our list, and this question just got me thinking as I was thinking about movies of the 90s. When we get into the 90s, I feel like we had a bunch of 
movies that dealt with the military, and maybe I'm asking this question because I've been listening to that Friendly Fire podcast too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, their their Predator episode is a lot of fun. Um, okay, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've done that one yet. I have to go back to it. That's that's a good one. That's a good one. They actually don't like the movie until the Predator shows up. Those guys love those guys, Adam. Yeah, Ben, John, if you're listening, we love you. Um, they don't like a lot of the movies they end up doing on Friendly no. Fire. They yeah. take a lot of movies to task, and it is fun. But they were funny about it. He's you know, the one guy. I forget who it was made the comment and said, "You know what? It's kind of like this alien invaded a bad movie." <laughs> That's outstanding. It's like this is about right. This is a really bad movie. Let's see what I can do. <laughs> but because um, I've been watching that one, and I was thinking back to some of the military movies that we had watched for the '80s, and you know, there was a lot of a lot of it. I think came across as very anti-military in some ways because of Vietnam, and mm-hmm. you know how people are feeling and how directors are feeling, um, you know, after the after the Vietnam era and kind of a response to all that. Now, as I'm watching this one, I'm thinking, you know what? I get the feeling that now we've moved into a, a different phase with the 90s. And it's, it's not so much that, because I feel like in the 80s, it wasn't maybe necessarily the military that was bad or evil or whatever you want to call it, that it was more so the people in charge. That mm-hmm. maybe it was the, and I think they mentioned this in the, in the, in the uh, Friendly Fire episode for the Predator, that it was more of like the bureaucrats. It was the people who are making the, the civilians that are making the decisions, you know, that the military then has to go in force. And I get the feeling now that in the nineties we're, we're hitting some movies in which the military is now where we're getting our, you know, our corrupt generals, our guys that maybe, you know, they, they feel like they were slighted in some way. And so now they are the corrupt villains. Cause I was thinking you've got this one, you've got the rock, um, you've got three Kings, you've got a whole, mm. bunch of, a whole bunch of movies in the nineties where it's like colonels or majors or somebody that's like, Hey, I, I got a raw deal. I'm, you know, to quote another eighties movie, I got a raw deal here. I'm, I'm going to make this right for myself. And I wonder, right. you know, is it, am I just thinking that because off the top of my head were those three movies and, and that's what I first thought of, or is that something that we think we're going to see? as we go on into the nineties, knowing that we've seen a bunch of nineties movies, you know, is is that a theme that runs through the nineties? I think a little, I think it has to do with the society's view on war in general. Um, Cause we're also at this point, we're also in the first Gulf war. Right. You know, when this movie in particular would have been made, but yeah. Was, was the first Gulf war 1990 or was that 89? I think we invaded, didn't we? Mm-hmm. 89. Well, um, no, actually no, it was, you, it was August of, it was August of 90. Was it August of 90? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you realize that, or you think that up to that point, the last big major war that we were involved in was Vietnam. And, you know, obviously we were involved in a whole bunch of, 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 uh, I don't want to say minor when people's lives are on the line, but you're involved in a whole bunch of, of, of relatively smaller conflicts. And then, yeah, I mean, so we're still trying to get past the whole, you know, suspect of the military and, and all that kind of stuff that you see kind of comes out in the eighties movies. And, you know, the kind of the, the failures of Vietnam that was painted in the eighties movies. And then in the nineties, yeah, you kind of get almost like, you get you get this painted where you know it seems like 
you get these guys that come in and it's and, and it's like a it's it's like a very intense focus on like the whole military ethos you know i need a sit rep i need a you know we're we're wheels up in you know five minutes and you know lock stock and ready to rock you know you you get this stuff that i don't know that military people talk that way but that's what we all think military people talk like mm-hmm. and, right. and and i think that kind of goes through the 90s and then you figure now it's 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 really changed because our country's been at war for the last what nine, 18 years, 17 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think the way we view the military today um, as a society is very different than how we did it in the nineties and very different from how we viewed it in the eighties. Um, at least how we view it in, in the movies. So I think, you know, I think not only are these, do these movies show their age just in terms of, you know, style of movie making, but just it's like you said, the outlook on the military um, is is very much different. And I, I don't know, I can't put my finger exactly on it. Like I'd, I'd say, you know, our country's at war, but so maybe, you know, we have more people involved in the military. But then when you look and you realize that I think they say something like 1% of the population serves and of that population, that 1%, they go back for multiple tours. You know, so you really, I, I don't know. I don't, I can't put my finger, you know, sociologically why it happens, but I think that it, it, you're right. I think that we're, we're seeing a shift in the way we view the military from eighties to nineties. And both of that is very different than, to how we see it today. So it's, it's just interesting um, how the, how the serve, how the service is being painted, you know? Yeah. And that was, and I'll say, I'll cycle back to our, our thing on the abyss. That's kind of what I bumped on in the abyss is the way they painted uh, the Navy SEALs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, okay, so the one guy went nuts and, you know, okay, I mean, obviously, you know, someone can lose it, whether they're highly trained, you know, military personnel or not. Right, but anyone just, can lose it. But just the way they, the way they paint it is just different. You know, so yeah, and I have to say, the naked Tai Chi kind of threw me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's I mean, another, that's another point. Like, what was the purpose of that? Yeah, and I get and, to introduce this mysterious guy and to introduce the Esperanza thing because it's on the TV, but he could have just been sitting there having coffee. Well, he could have been doing that, and I mean, if they wanted to show something. You know, his clothes are off. So, I mean, whether I see it when I'm 11 years old and giggling because, dude, what the heck is with that? Or I watch it when I'm not 11 years old, but a few years older than that. And even today, I'm still giggling because it's like, dude, there's a naked dude on TV. I mean, it's just kind of funny. I mean, that could have been, I don't know, show a training scene. Show him sparring with his guys, preferably. Right. Um, Show him going through. They spar in the nude. I yeah, I, like, okay, okay, <laughs> that's cool. Show him, you know, working out on a heavy bag. Yeah. I mean, there could have been a lot of really cool stuff. And I don't know if they were going for humor or what, but I, I kind of, that was the only spot in that movie where I felt like the joke was on the movie, where it was funny but didn't intend to be. And I, mm. 
I don't know. Or maybe they did intend it to be funny. Like I, I, I don't know. That was the only spot that was just a little bit like, okay, this is kind of goofy, but okay. And I don't judge it negatively for that. It's just, I wouldn't have gone for goofy there. Right. I actually found an article that was a, it was an interview with the AV club. Oh yeah. And it's an interview with William Sadler. And uh, he talks about, he talks about Die Hard 2, and they ask him, uh, in regard to Die Hard 2, you certainly make a big impression with your introduction doing some naked Tai Chi. And he, he says, why, thank you. And they said, was it in the script that you'd be fully cl- unclothed for that reveal? And he said, uh, no, I didn't learn that until I got there for the costume fitting. And they said, <laughs> they said, or you mean lack thereof? He's like, ah, oh, you're absolutely right. I said, what am I wearing in that scene? He said, we tried on everything else. And then Rennie Harlan said, actually, I was thinking you would be nude. And I said, well, if you push that scene off until the end of the movie and get me in the gym, I'll see what I can do. He's a goer. <laughs> That's now, awesome. Now, until until I looked stuff up for, you know, until I was looking on IMDb for this, I completely missed the fact that he is the Grim Reaper from uh, Bogus Journey. Oh. I completely missed that. That's awesome. Yeah, he's had a fun career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, between Shawshank and wasn't he on Deep Space Nine? Section forty-seven. Yeah. Section forty-seven. Yeah. yeah, he William Sadler. Again, going back to what you said earlier, a lot of the guys in this movie have had quite a career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he's he has a a role in Blue Bloods. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, he's Officer Ed uh, Edith Jenko's dad. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's uh he's got he's got chops, man. As they say in the Big Lebowski, that creep can roll. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else that we want to say about Die Hard 2 before we move into our three questions? Awesome. Just a fun a fun movie. I yeah. I don't think I think I can get to cuz I really like the I really like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um and I think for me, I I get to I get all the way through Die Hard one, two, and three before I start to get a little tired of the Die Hard story. You know, I would agree. I, and I just recently watched because there's five of them now, aren't there? There are. There's uh, there are. there's uh, Live Free and Die Hard, Live Free or Die Hard, and I think the um, A Good Day to Die Hard. Yeah, that's the one I still haven't seen yet. Yeah, you're not missing much. I've I've heard I can skip that one. Live Free or Die Hard wasn't bad. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting, but I definitely, the first three are, are definitely my, my trifecta of diehard movies. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. They really yeah. are. And, and you would think that going back to a brother as a bad guy and the third mm-hmm. one would be a little loose, maybe wouldn't work. Right. But, oh my God, Jeremy Irons just kills that. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I mean, that would be, normally you'd think that'd be crazy. Like bringing in a villain in the third movie of a trilogy. Right. But oh, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about that next episode. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into our three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything 
that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, so I had to like write down and remind myself to say three questions, not five questions, since we've been doing that for like two years. Um, <laughs> okay, so three questions this time around, and uh, apparently the comments I got from you gentlemen earlier were my first question is about as hard as three questions on its own. So, um, so apparently that's how we make up for that. Question number one, what is your favorite movie with Bruce Willis? Die hard. Okay. That sounded easy. I, I, I have to be honest. I've been sitting here quiet because I didn't struggle with this one. So okay. for me, I, I really like, really, really enjoyed the movie die hard. So, uh, so that one, that one's easy. Okay. And I love Die Hard, and it was it was the first one on my list. But then, of course, I went to IMDb and looked. Ah, uh, yeah. And I was like, oh no! But then I'm leaving out this, and I'm leaving out that, and so I wanted to say Die Hard. But since I knew someone else would beat me to it, I decided to not pick Die Hard. Okay. Okay. Have you ever seen The Last Boy Scout? Uh, yeah. Long time ago, I don't remember much about it. Oh, so good. That's the one I'm going to pick. Him okay. and... Um, oh, I'm going to look it up real quick. I got it right here. Was it uh, Damon Wayans? Yes. Or one of the Wayans? Yeah, Damon Wayans. Okay. Bruce Willis. You know, he plays his usual slightly burnout character, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so good. There's a couple of scenes where he goes up to a, you know, he goes up to somebody and he just goes, head or gut. <laughs> Whatever you say, that's where you're going to get punched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. How do you beat that? So that's what I'm going with. Nice. All right. Well, and here I am trying to answer my own question again. Um, the struggle I did, I, is real. I know. I, Bo, kind of like you, I think I started a list and I tried to make this list just off the top of my head without looking at anything. And, you know, I, I just started to list out all the movies of his that are just off the top of my head, kind of my favorites. Um, you know, I put down Unbreakable. I put down Sixth Sense, um, 12 Monkeys. Um, I had Pulp Fiction. I mean, I, Pulp Fiction used to be my favorite movie for such a long time. Um, I put down Die Hard with a Vengeance of the three movies. That's, I think, my favorite that of his, I mean, his performance, because I just I love how he plays off of Sam Jackson in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, um, they definitely take the buddy cop thing to a new level in that movie. The two oh, of them. yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's I mean, now that you know it, it's pretty clear that that was a lethal weapon movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, Zeus. Hey, Zeus. No, Zeus. <laughs> Why do you keep calling me? Hey, Zeus. <laughs> As in King of the Gods. Mm-hmm. With a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. Zeus. <laughs> Um, so I, I kind of narrowed it down because I was like, you know what? I'm, I think that, I think between the three of us, we're going to pick some of the more well-known ones. Right. So even though I had these others that I really, really like, I, I kind of narrowed it down to two that I didn't think anybody else would pick. And, and I, I have one that I'm going to go with, but, um, my runner up that I would have gone with is there's a movie called the story of us. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about that before on this podcast that um, that used to be actually my wife and I, that used to be one of our favorite movies. And it's just, it's a, it, it's not an action movie at all. Like it's not your typical, you know, Bruce Willis action movie. Um, 
it's and sometimes not even a fun movie because it's a husband and wife and it's kind of you're you're watching their relationship fall apart and then mm-hmm. poss- possibly come back together again and it's bruce willis and michelle pfeiffer um and it really is almost the whole movie is like a series of flashbacks because they will jump back and forth to moments in their life where things were good and then things were not so good and um and it's just he has an opportunity to really use his sense of humor in that movie and i really i really always liked his performance in that movie he's hilarious in that movie the one i'm going to pick though is one that does not get good ratings if you look online it doesn't get good ratings i have not watched it in years but i remember really liking this movie and i remember the first time i saw it i think i watched it two or three times in a row okay because i just had a lot of fun watching this movie it had uh it was bruce willis it had christopher walken and it was called last man standing you guys ever seen Mm -hmm. that one Yep. Yes. Yeah. So Last Man Standing is basically an adaptation of Yojimbo. Okay. And it's Bruce Willis and he's I forget what year it's set in, but it's it's, you know, instead of um, you know, in Yojimbo, obviously you've got uh the the two businessmen in the village, but in this one it's gangsters. And I'm trying to remember what year it's set in. Ah, I'm gonna forget. Let me see if I can look it up real fast. Um it is well the fact that it takes place in texas it, that doesn't hurt either oh here we go sure it's um 1932 prohibition era texas mm-hmm. you know, and he drives into this uh, small border town of jericho and uh he ends up you know kind of getting these two warring uh these two gangster factions to war against each other mm-hmm. um and i just remember it's like i said it's been years since i've seen this movie but I just remember when I watched this movie, it was a, it was so much fun. Just him, okay. Christopher Walken is one of the villains. Um, just I remember really enjoying this movie. So I will be curious to go back and rewatch this. Actually, it'll be coming up in about six years. Um, so we'll we'll include it on the 1996 podcast. But okay. So I'm gonna go with that one. I figured that one probably would not get picked. It does not get good reviews. Um, but I just remember having a lot of fun with it. Cool. So. So that's mine. You All mentioned right. you yeah. mentioned his comedy chops. I mean, the thing that a lot of people forget is a lot of people first met Bruce Willis on Moonlighting, right? Which not exactly an action. Uh, no, no situation. No, uh, he also had a hilarious episode on the Mad About You TV show. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. It was the episode where uh, uh, Paul and Jamie? Jamie's going to have the baby. And uh, she realizes she doesn't have her wedding room with her. So she sends Paul back home to the apartment to go get it. And when he comes back, there's been an accident on a movie set and Bruce Willis is in the hospital, but they won't let him in the hospital because security has set up all the barricades. Okay. And so Paul has to go like, he has to like somehow break into one of the, like the loading docks. And all of a sudden he finds an escaped Bruce Willis with a bandage over his head. And he's helping him like crawl through air ducts to get to his wife's uh, delivery room. That's hilarious. It was hilarious. It was good stuff. That show was so fun. Yeah. (laughs) He had a fun, uh, a fun little part. I thought in oceans 12. Yes. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know what, what he did in there was good. And Hey, do you guys remember that movie where he's the hitman? Um, but it's in the future and they go into a different time to do their hit. Yeah. It's looper. Looper. Was mm-hmm. that looper? I, think Man, so. I had that confused with something else. Jumper. I was thinking of jumper. Oh, jumper. Okay. Uh, 
and jumper. Well, no, no, no. I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking of Looper. But when I, but you're calling you called it jumper. It, but I was well. No, when I, what you called Looper, I thought was jump. Anyways, I okay. saw those two movies actually at around the same time. Okay. Um, and so Looper and Jumper at all, but I'm thinking of Looper. Yeah. Where he's the hitman, okay. And then, uh, the one guy that you remember when your question was, if we recast this character, who would you mm-hmm. pick to play him? And we mm-hmm. always pick that guy. Yeah. He played uh Robin in uh dark Knight rises. Yep. Um, yep. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah. That guy was, that mm-hmm. guy was like the younger Bruce. Anyways, he yeah. was really good in that film too. Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, Ryan Johnson movie director of last Jedi. Oh, ah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Oh, what was the other one I just thought of? Um, here's another one. I'm not sure if it gets good reviews or not, but I remember, I think I remember actually seeing this in the theater um, or soon after it was in the theater. Death Becomes Her. Oh, so good. Oh, that mm-hmm. was hilarious. All right. Question number two. What's the worst experience you've ever had at an airport? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. I, um, I, I don't, I mean, I don't have like any really like super horrible, um, bad memories at the airport, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I guess the worst thing that happened to me was it was the day after my sister's wedding. She got married in Spain and the party, uh, it was, I think, I think the temperature was like 104 degrees in the shade. Mm-hmm. Not count, not Ooh. count, not heat index. It was a straight up 104 degrees in the shade, only heat. And uh, we were wearing like you know heavy tuxedos and everything. And uh, there was no water to drink. Everything was this very, very uh, good tasting cider, mm-hmm. wine cider. And that went from like two o'clock in the afternoon to like four o'clock or the next morning. Um, it, and so let's just say that it was. Uh, uh, the next day we were flying out from Spain and Tammy and I were uh, heading up to Ireland for the week and we were sitting in this airport in Biarritz, France. And I, all I wanted was a sandwich. And I kept saying like sandwich is like as French sounding as I could. <laughs> I thought sandwich in French was sandwich. I tried sandwich, sandwich, <laughs> and sandwich, mm-hmm. like everything. I got down on my knees and pleaded and pointed at the thing with like money in my hand. I was pointing through the glass in the, and, and the, the gal behind the counter was just like, nope, nope, <laughs> no, like just would not understand. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, Tammy walked up and said she want, and like she got everything she asked for. So I don't know if they just, I don't know what the heck was going on, but I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a non story. Um, it, it really, I got no real bad experiences in an airport, thankfully. Okay. Frontier Airlines decided to merge with some other cheap airline back in probably right around this time, right around 90. We were flying out to Colorado to visit my uncle. My brother and aunt and grandma had driven out already. Mom and I were flying out. We were going to stay there for a couple of days and come back. I think we both had to work. So it had to be later than this. It had to be maybe 95, six-ish, maybe. Not okay. sure. Um, so the airline we were booked on merged with Frontier. Well, we get there at the 
earliest possible time of dawn, mm-hmm. there's been a police incident at oh, the geez. airport. So the cops are blocking access to the cheap parking lots. Now, we didn't know this at the time because we'd never been to Midway. Mm-hmm. Why we flew mm-hmm. out of Midway, I don't even know. So we end up parking in the lot, but it ended up costing us like $150 to park for three days or something ridiculous. But we didn't know that till the end of the trip. <laughs> we get in there, we find out that, the, you know, this is all pre-real internet and being able to check all this information quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were at the airport for six, seven hours to get on a flight. We missed the, the Rockies game we were supposed to see. Yeah. Um, I had a great time out in Colorado for a day and a half, two days, whatever. On the way back, we get back and the battery for my car had died sitting in the parking lot. Oh. So oh, we had no. to get that jumped. Then it cost us 150 bucks to get. It was just the worst flying experience <laughs> I've ever had. And yeah, it, wow. The good news about that is it was so bad that ever since then, like flight problems, I went, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've, you've, you've had the worst. So. There, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it was the thing for sure. Hmm. All right. Well, mine. I've 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 told this. I don't know if I've told this story before on the podcast, but actually, I was telling this story to the to my kids just a you know, a few days ago. Even um, we were on. It was on a school trip. We were going to the National Journalism Conference, and it happened to be in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, you know beautiful, exciting New Mexico. And we were flying there and we had a layover in Denver. And so we, you know, we, we got off our plane in Denver and uh, we had a little bit of time before our connecting flight to Albuquerque. And so it was a bunch of, you know, high school newspaper and and yearbook kids, um, which is already a recipe for trouble. (laughs) And, um, you know, so we're kind of, you know, wandering around the airport a little bit. We had a little bit of time before we had to get back and, and, I went to, I remember going with some friends over to one of like the, the newsstand shops to like, see if they had any comic books or magazines or whatever to, to take with me on the plane. And so uh, I remember going over there now at the time, because I decided I wanted to be cool and it was 1990, whatever. And somehow I felt pocket watches were cool. Um, I had a pocket watch. And so mm-hmm. did, didn't have a wristwatch. Didn't obviously nobody had cell phones at that point. And uh, so I'm in this uh, newsstand shop in the Denver airport and I pull out my pocket watch to check the time. And I realize, oh man, we got to get going We're we got to board our plane here in just a little bit. And um, I put my pocket watch back in my pocket. Well, all of a sudden a security guard comes over and stops me. And as I'm you know starting to leave the store and he said, um, the clerk over there told me that uh, you just put something in your pocket. So go ahead and go ahead and give it back. And I said, I, I didn't put anything. I, I said, I have a pocket watch. That's what I put in my pocket. And I took out my pocket watch and I showed him and he goes, no, no, no. Uh, clerk said, you put something in your pocket, you know, empty your pockets. I said, I don't have anything else in my pockets. I've got this pocket watch. And he said, okay, well then where'd you pick up the pocket watch from? Where'd you steal that from? And I said, I don't think this store sells pocket watches. Mm-hmm. This is my pocket watch. And, and they actually wouldn't let me go. Oh, wow. They were going to hold me there because they were completely convinced the clerk there was completely convinced that I had stolen something just because I put the pocket watch back in my pocket. And I don't remember if it was that one of our teachers came over or what ended up happening, but ultimately they let us go because I emptied my pockets and I said, I have nothing here. So if I, you know, this store does not sell pocket watches. So if I stole something, 
I must be a magician because it's not here. Mm-hmm. So ultimately I, I got let go, but I like there for a little bit, I was a little worried. I was like, I'm going to miss my flight and nobody's going to know where I am. Cause I'm going to be sitting in a holding cell in the Denver airport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of hard wow. not to be kind of hard not to be uh, uh, angry about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As an adult, you know, I look back on that and I'm sure I probably had some teenage attitude that I, I don't remember having, but I'm sure I did. Yeah, yeah. I can see that happening. Sure. And, and I'm sure that wouldn't have helped. So, yeah, mm-hmm. of course, you know, it never helps whether you're in the right or not. You know, right. I mean, but that being said, like, yeah, I'd be a little bit like, you know, what, what, uh, what exactly are you accusing? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. right. I was like, unless you sell pocket watches and I don't see any here, I, didn't take anything. Yeah. All right. Question number three. What film are you most looking forward to talking about from the 1990s? As we start our new decade off here, we spent five years with Pat looking forward to Batman. So now I'm curious <sighs> what we're looking forward to for this decade. One ping only, please. Yeah. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> okay. Uh, Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, I, I'll pick the I'll pick the, the the ends of the 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 various bookends of the decade. I I mean Matrix and the Memphis Belle. I or, oh, or, okay. you know I yeah Memphis Belle, good call. I like me some Memphis Belle. I, that's, it's been that's, years. That's coming up in what is that March? I think that's when our March movies. It's coming up soon, whatever it is. Been years since I've seen it. Can't I, wait. I have never seen it, so it'll be a treat. What? Really? What? What? Yeah, I have never seen it before. Hmm. So that uh, that surprises me. I'm not afraid to say. But I have been told by several people that I'm I'm in for a treat. So. Yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty outstanding. I don't know for this one. Um, I I mean, the first I I want to say the Rocketeer that I'm looking forward to talking about the Rocketeer, but I, they, I know, but I spent like a year and a half of my life listening to the Rocketeer minute podcast where they did the minute mm-hmm. by minute episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I can't improve on that. So while I'm looking forward to talking about it, I'm like, I know that in whatever 45 minute to an hour and 15 minute episode we have, that is not going to equal the hundred and whatever plus episodes where they pulled apart everything about that movie. Um, so that one was one I definitely would be looking forward to. I'm I'm just trying to think of some of the other ones. I mean, I just I wrote down a bunch of my favorites from this decade: Pulp Fiction, The Matrix, uh, Terminator Two. Um, I had Seven. I had uh, Fight Club. Now Fight Club was one of my favorites for a very long time. Um, so maybe that one. Tombstone, definitely Braveheart. Um, Big Lebowski, that would be another big one. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, maybe of that list. You know what? And and maybe because he ended up being one of my favorite authors, that's I think one of the few times where I went backwards and I saw a movie and then went back and read the book and kind of got hooked on that person's style of writing. I think I'm gonna say Fight Club because he actually ended mm-hmm. up becoming one of my favorite authors. And I've I've read almost all of his books up to this point because of Fight Club. So I'll go with that one. I'll go with Fight Club. All right. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Die Hard 2. So I, first episode of 1990 in the bag, gentlemen. Woo-hoo! Awesome. Great wow. episode. 
Great episode. So uh, as we, we didn't mention right at the beginning at the onset, but uh, this is our, our first month of 1990 is our Revenge of the Sequel month. Um, so all this month are sequel movies. So with this episode, we did Die Hard 2. Next time we're talking Gremlins 2, the new batch. Uh, then we've got Robocop 2, Young Guns 2, and Predator 2. So it is the, uh, the alternate title for this month was Who Does Number 2 Work For? Um, or, <laughs> or, or Revenge of the Sequel, whichever way you want to go with that. Um, so yeah, so um, it's good to be in the 90s. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to be back here next time with Gremlins 2, the new batch. So be excellent. Switch. I guess we could, can we use the same sign off even though it's from the 80s? Yeah. Be excellent right, to so. each other and, and go watch some good movies? Sure. All right. Well, until if we come up with something better or if somebody wants to tweet at us and, and come up with a different sign off for us for the 90s, then uh, we'll, we'll stick with an oldie but a goodie and we'll say be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. Yeah.